0: Shaking Cats and Kittens, I'm Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in This Art. And this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pen. And I'm enjoying this hand-poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Sinanham, the neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in this Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is a visual artist based in Baltimore. We have Aaron Fostel. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be
0: here. So this is, this is great. I uh, did a little little digging, a little research, but you know, when I go over what someone's background is, I can't do it justice. I can just say, oh, you're an artist. Everyone's an artist. Everyone's some version of an artist, but I like to have the artist, well, obviously for this podcast, I like to have the artist uh, describe what their work is and what their background and, and speak their truth. So if you will, let us know what you do and who you are.
1: Sure. Uh, So my background in art, I guess the reason I got into art, um, I always joke about this and I hope my mom doesn't get mad, but I got sent to my room a lot when I was a kid. Like I had a brother and we would always just sort of be getting in each other's way and fighting. And so we would just be sent to our separate rooms. And this is like back in the day before, like, you know, you had like a um, iPad or a smartphone or even like your own TV. And so you had to just like, you know, make do with your brain and some like, you know, pencils and, you know, some paper and just like entertain yourself as best you could. And I ended up just becoming really interested in drawing and really interested in like making up little stories. That was how I sort of passed the time whenever I got sent to my room. Um, and uh, I joke about it, you know, in that like, it's funny that I You know, I wasn't like a bad kid or anything, but like, but that was my introduction was just being like a little bit bored and then having to, like, entertain myself. Um, But it turned out to be a pretty life altering experience because the thing that I love to do so much now is the thing that I get to do for a living. And I think that that's a really cool thing to just think about. Um, but after, you know, you're like, you're in school and then you get to high school and you got to figure out like, what are you going to do with your life at the age of like 18? Yeah. And the only thing that I enjoyed doing was art. Um, but I didn't know any artists, like anyone working full-time as an artist. And I didn't know much about people who made art, but I was just like, well, art is a thing you can go to school for. So I'll go do that. Um, and so I ended up going to the Maryland Institute College of Art and getting a degree in drawing, um, and have been drawing ever since.
0: Well, that's delightful. I mean, uh. Just as a person, that's what the, uh, as I talked about a little bit before we got started, that was kind of the space I was in, like, I'm going to draw. And I was like, used to draw like comics and stuff. And I got in trouble for drawing on, on the other side of it. And uh, I, everything that I did was like a pastiche of like comics that I was reading. So it's like, oh, this is clearly just X-Men. This is clearly Wildcats. And <laughs> I would rush through my test because I was like a good student, all of that stuff. But I would rush through like tests. I was like, all right, I can take this B, right? Like just draw for the next like hour or whatever and i had the the ruminations of like the, well the early like thoughts of being a uh, entrepreneur because i was like yeah i'll draw you a picture of wolverine for like a quarter and i was, I was doing stuff like that so i got in trouble for what i was doing though
1: oh no i love that though because i learned so much about how to draw mm-hmm. from copying my brother's x-men comic books And so I would be sitting there drawing all the characters and that was how I learned how to make something look like something else was just sitting there and copying and I'm, and I'm sure like, you know, like I would sound way more like artistic and, you know, professional if I was like, oh, I did master copies of, you know, paintings and Matisse and I was like, no, I was just copying like my brother's X-Men comics and his Spider-Man comics and like, that's the thing that got me into it. So I feel you on those Wolverine drawings.
0: That's, that's great. Uh, I would um, I I used to get um, whenever there was a holiday, you know, it's like I had an uncle who he used to do um, like billboards back in the 70s. And he would like do the painting and all of that different stuff or have you. And he had passed like before I was born. And they saw that my family saw that I took an interest in drawing. So like every year it was always drawing books, it's always colored pencils, all types of stuff. And it's just like, there's here's Junior again doodling. And I was like, <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? There's nobody at Comics. I was like, damn it. <laughs> so you got into art in that way and your practice is is drawing and you're using you're you're doing like interiors and like settings with charcoal. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So while I was at Micah, um before Micah and like in high school and stuff, I was doing a lot of really flat, um, kind of comic book style drawing, but not very good. I was not very good at it. I was, you know, very interested, but not very good. And then when I got to MICA, I made a serious point of trying to learn a skill while I was there because the education was so expensive. I was like, I need to be able to literally see something at the end of these four years. And so the thing that I decided to try to learn was to draw representationally because I was just enamored with people's ability to do that, to make something look realistic or representational. Um, And one of the tools that you use a lot as you're learning how to draw representationally is charcoal because it's cheap, it's affordable, And so as I was learning to use it, I was just like, I really like this medium. It's a little bit dirty. It's a little bit loose, but like I can make it tight. And so I just really liked its versatility. And so I've been drawing with charcoal pretty much since graduation. I think I'm going on like two decades of drawing with charcoal at this point, but I love it. It's such a great medium.
0: That's that's actually would be one of the questions that I would ask. I didn't even put in there, but you answered it. So, yeah, this this shows how this is going well. Uh, so I, I got I got a really snarky response last week from someone I interviewed. And I won't name names, but I, I was like, um, so what's integral to your work as an artist? And they were like a paintbrush. And I was like, look, don't don't be a dick. What what would you say is integral to to your work, though, outside of maybe the materials and maybe having. Um, of talent or, or the desire to do the work, but what is integral for you? Is it like I definitely need to have a San Pellegrino, or I definitely need to have these, yeah. this music, or whatever playing in the background? What makes what's integral for you to kind of get those creative juices flowing?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great question, and I definitely like when I read it, I was like, oh, this could mean like you're asking me about tools. It could mean you're asking me about my environment, like how I make the work, or you could be asking me about like what it is that drives the work. So I think it, it is such an open-ended question that like, you know, you leave room for people to be able to respond in whatever way makes sense to them. Um, and I think right now for me, the way that I interpreted it was, you know, like what is driving the work that I'm making sure. right now? Because we're in the middle of a really weird fucking time. Like if there's COVID <laughs> happening, still we're like a year into it. Um, and so, and the world is like literally sometimes on fire, all of the same shit that's been happening for the last few centuries just continues, but we have smartphones now. So we're all seeing it to a greater degree. Um, and so like there's an importance placed on what is being produced. And to me, like it's always been important for whatever I make to have value, To me or to somebody else. And that value could be anything. It could be like I bring some sort of, um, you know, relief to somebody by giving them something to look at that gives them, you know, some sort of like repose or something. Or I'm bringing attention to something that I think is important and should be thought about or discussed. And so I think for me, like an integral part of my practice is definitely like, I can't do something if I don't find value in it. Like if I don't find value in the image, because because my drawings take a long time to make, they Which are is. a glorious thing. And so I can't be like halfway through a 40 to 50 hour drawing and be like, why am I drawing this? Like, this is not important. Like nobody's gonna like, you know, uh, find anything in this. Um, And I think that that's an important thing to consider, but I recognize that sometimes it's also can be a debilitating thing is considering what, you know, you find important or what somebody else finds important, like that can be so subjective. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot about what it means to be an artist um, is just like really paying attention to like what's happening and like trying to make sure that like you're tapping into something that other people will respond to and that you are adding something to some conversation that's already happening, or you're maybe pivoting to something that you think is being ignored. Um, but that's how I interpreted it right now. Other than, I also, you know, I need charcoal and I need my camera because I work from photographs, um, and I need podcasts because I need to be able to listen to something <laughs> as I'm making the work. It just keeps me focused in the space.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. Um I uh was prepping for you know, I try to when I look back at some of these questions in terms of preparation, I try to look at how would I answer this for what I'm doing if, if if the if the angles were turned around and I looked at um what I was doing earlier. Um I do a mood review show, um, and it's a fair amount of liftings. I like to do the oral history around it just so I look at it like what's my purpose here? Is it just you know, shooting the shit with friends about a movie that we like, or is it entertaining and informing? And I like to be in that space because I had, um, I had my buddy Chris from uh, Forged. He reached out. He's like, I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that on Street Fighter. And I was like, well, now you do. And you can credit (laughs) me for, for putting it out there for grabbing that Wikipedia page. And was still in it and, and getting from different sources and trying to bring those things together. It's kind of, Boring stuff because you're not really watching the movie quite yet. You're gathering the information, then watching the movie. So, what I need in doing that is the preparation piece, the time to be able to pull that stuff together and look for reputable sources. And I usually have like classical music on or something like instrumental. It just makes that process work a little bit better for me yeah. because it's the pre work before actually doing the research of watching the movie before even a podcast. It's like a three step process to produce that 40 to 50 minute podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that goes into the making of things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think sometimes people can understand that and sometimes people can't. And I think I benefit a lot from people having a basic understanding of how like difficult drawing can be because a lot of times people will look at my drawings and like they automatically will know how much time went into it because they understand like the layering and the building up. And like, you know, cause sometimes like my drawings do not look like photographs, right? Like they're not hyper photographic or real, but they trick you enough, you know, when you see it on Instagram, which is where a lot of people experience art right now. Um, and even sometimes if you're like seeing it on like a wall and exhibition, like I had people at like a creative line show that I was in, where like people just walked right past my, my work thinking they were photographs and then having someone have to go back and be like, no, 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 you gotta go stand by. again, it's a drawing. Um, but having that understanding of like the time spent making it, like I, you know, inherently people understand off the bat And so I feel fortunate in that, but there's so much art and there's so much storytelling and there's so much content that takes so much research, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have to do all this prep work before you get to the part that you're even hearing or seeing, you know?
0: Yeah. And and I, think going, going back to what you were saying as far as that the work that goes in and people kind of can see it and and notice it. I, I did the, um, I went to the bright um, exhibit like for the second time, like last weekend. Yes. And, And I, I went there initially because uh, I did a podcast with Thomas like right before it opened and took in everything. And I it had been a while since I've gone to an exhibit or a gallery or anything along those lines. So mm-hmm. in doing it and being there and checking all of it out and not just I seen that appreciated that for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. When I came back the second time, I was like able to look at it more. I was like, oh, this is what you did here and really like, <laughs> analyzing it, And it's just like, I, I think my appreciation of, of art and my eye towards it, and, and part of it comes out of the conversation I had with him off mic. It was, is was, really like fostered. And it's like, that's how they did that or really being able to appreciate it and say, yeah, you did, that's, that's 300 hours of work. You know, <laughs> that, that, there you go, good for you. You know, yeah, I couldn't do that, but good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it's not always known because people don't always have, you know, the background when looking at the work to understand that. But that doesn't mean that they can't appreciate it as they're looking at it. So it's, you know, it's just many layers that are there.
0: I had to, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the exhibit that was like downtown. Uh, it, I'm blanking on the name, but it was it was an outside exhibit in front of City Hall like a few months back. And I remember I was talking to um, one of my coworkers about it in the day job, and she was like, "I don't get art." I was like, "What are we talking about? How, help me understand it." I was like, "I don't have enough time or the background <laughs> too, so it's it's really interesting." Um, so in in a in a few words, maybe verbs. Let's, let's try to go with with maybe three three verbs here. How? No, maybe not three verbs. Let's use three words. How would you describe your artistic style and what artists or movements may have uh, influenced you?
1: Oh, wow. My artistic style in like three words. Or, um, you know,
0: I make it easy. <laughs> <laughs> My
1: um, artistic style. Uh, uh, hmm. Uh, I'm looking across the room at one of my drawings right now, trying to be like, tell me what I should say to this question.
0: If it pops out and says, look, this is what you say, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, this is odd.
1: (laughs) Um, I think the first word coming to mind is patience because my work takes a lot of patience, um, and layers takes a lot of layers like I am uh, I work by smudging the charcoal into the paper okay and so I'm really I'm pushing that medium into the paper and so I'm sort of building up um you know many many layers of tone to make the drawings that I make wow. um, and then the third I would say uh gray it's just a literal, <laughs> a literal word. Yeah. gray. <laughs>
0: my, my favorite color.
1: Uh. <laughs> yeah, Gray has been my favorite color since childhood. So it makes perfect sense that I draw on black and white. I just have much respect for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in terms of artists that I've looked to, um, I think I was fortunate when I was in college that I didn't really look up to any artists. I was so focusing on just like, learning this kind of skill. Um, but since then, like most recently, I think um, the artists that I sort of look to for, if not inspiration, some sort of like guidance on the kind of work I make, um, definitely will be Via Salmons, who is, uh, she's a hyper real artist. Um, she makes like sometimes the same image over and over again. Um, She did an ocean series where she just drew waves like over and over and over again. Um, But she also makes work um, that requires this like as patience and attention. And it's just really it's great for me to just sort of look to her to just be like, okay, this kind of labor has value and I should keep doing it and maybe do some yoga to work out any kind of internal angst I have. Um, I also really love um, Joseph Albers, Um, he does a lot of like color field paintings, which are great, but the reason I love him is because as a teacher, um, when he was at the Black Mountain College, he would teach students the importance of observation as a tool for growing empathy. And so he would be, you know, teaching a student, like how to draw a chair and telling them, you know, how to pay attention to all the aspects that make that, that chair, that chair, like how to see it really. And he linked that into like learning how to recreate something helps you to really look at something. And so you can translate that into really looking around the world at your own surroundings and paying a lot more attention. And I think that that's a really important lesson for people to consider, especially, you know, when you're learning art, how much that just taking an art class can enhance you as a person, even if you have no plans to be an artist. Like you can learn so much about, Like color, or you know, how to really see, and like these things are really important in all aspects of life, especially if you're gonna go on to be like a doctor or some shit. Um, so, but like, I also find a lot of inspiration from just my, my friends and my you know, local people going on, and I got a lot of really amazing friends, like, I have, um, I count Amy Sherald as a friend. Um, My friend, Makita Huja, they're both like outstanding figurative painters. Mm. Um, My friend and neighbor, Jackie Malad, uh, we make work that is very different. But like I see so much, you know, in what she's doing and I get so inspired by it. I'm just like, oh, like, how can I put a little bit of that into my work? Right but in like my own like little way. So there's a lot of inspiration to be had in like, you know, both like sort of big figures and also the people who are right around you who are also big figures though.
0: Yeah. It's a, it reminds me of this, uh, that, that sentiment reminds me of this. Uh, I I was being very, very corny, but I was applying for a job. and had to scrub all of my, uh, Mm, questionable podcast background sometimes. And I was like, all right, let's make the ordinary, the extraordinary. And I tried to do this whole thing about it. I was like, this is hokey, but also it's legitimate in that, you know, just recognize anything that are around you, anything that's around you, anything, anyone that's around you, oftentimes we just in the hustle and bustle of life kind of take it for granted, but they matter and they Mm -hmm. impact you in some way. Whether, you know, I always ask the question in this podcast of what area really um, inspires you. And he was like, oh, it's just normal. I always pass this place. I am always in the same place. I really get inspired by parts of uh, Station North. And it's like, I just walk around there sometimes. Usually I have coffee, but I'm just walking around there sometimes and I'll look at the architecture and so on. and And talking to some of the guests I've had um, for episodes that haven't been released yet that are like photographers. It's like, yeah, we have great architecture. And I was like, yeah, we do. We have X, Y, and Z. And he's like, oh, you have an eye for some of this stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did a whole series of Baltimore architectural drawings. um, And like before I did them, I was definitely walking around being like, man, we got some weird buildings in this place. (laughs) But like, we are really a hodgepodge of different styles Mm -hmm. and it really makes for such a unique landscape. Um, And then, you know, because we have so much, you know, dereliction happening, like things are in different states of like disrepair and there's like trees growing out of the top of some things. And like, that's a whole other sort of like, you know, thing to consider with architecture um, but yeah, but this city is definitely filled with some like really, really awesome buildings, some really terrible buildings too, <laughs> um, but some really cool shit for sure.
0: So that's that's a um, it's a good segue into kind of some of the the last questions I have, the Baltimore related questions. Uh, so, what would you say is one of the most interesting traits about art in Baltimore?
1: I think this city has a community that is just so fucking great. Like I could not talk it up enough. Um, There are like artists who have been around for a really long time, like Joyce Scott. And there are artists who just got out of like college and are like starting to make their way into the art scene. And we all exist together in the same space. And the, I think the level of, like, camaraderie and the level of love and appreciation, like, I don't know, like, whenever I just think about all the artists that are making work here and all the people making work here, like, I just feel so good. Yep. Like, it's just such a wonderful community to be a part of. And I think that there's a lot of mentorship that happens. And I think there's a lot of support that happens amongst the community for each other. And I don't think that that's a normal thing for a city to have. I think you do not get that if you go to DC and you definitely don't get it. If you go up to New York, there's too much competitiveness or maybe too much separation, but you know, Baltimore, you know, there's so many good things happening here. And I think like for the majority, all of the artists are like, we got good shit happening and we need to support each other and how we do it. And so there's just like endless love that's happening between us. At least that's how I feel about it.
0: That's That's been a common thread I, I've heard. Uh, it's just, it's it's that kind of family thing. It's that people are supportive and it's definitely the feeling of a, a, a true community instead of just, hey, I want it, you know, and you move out of the way. And
1: yeah, yeah. And yeah, Joy Scott, like yeah. she is like an internationally acclaimed Artist like she is going to be in the art history books she is that important and she sent me a Facebook message like last week and she was it was just like this little positive like hey thinking about you you're doing great I'll see you after COVID and like that shit made my whole fucking year (laughs) (laughs) it's like you know and so and and knowing and recognizing that feeling That I have the support of, you know, another artist in my community who's, you know, um, many more decades into her practice being like, you're doing good shit, keep going. Like, I try to do that for other artists and I try to make sure that they feel value in what they're doing. And I think that that's what makes it such a great community is that we all see value in that support of each other. And so we just are rooting for each other.
0: Pay it forward. Mm -hmm. So, so uh so in in this this is probably because I, I think you you've 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 referenced it a bit but in in your opinion from your vantage point let's say moving externally for someone that may be um uninitiated when it comes to what how baltimore is perceived what have you what the purpose of this podcast is to kind of dispel some of that stuff or show the real side of it what yeah. does it mean from your vantage point as an artist to be an artist with ties to baltimore
1: I think it's a strength, um but i don't know I don't think I'm being objective with that answer <laughs> um because I just I know what it means to make work here, mm-hmm. and I know like how valuable the community is, but I do think from an outside perspective, Baltimore has not been getting its flowers for a long time. But I think that that's changing. And I think it's changing because there's a lot of artists making work here right now that you cannot ignore. Like you just can't ignore. Like we got Drill Gibbs. Like he is like about to be like a a stellar superstar.
0: They have interviewed him last week. (laughs)
1: Yeah, he he is like my favorite person. He is the nicest guy on the planet and so exceptionally talented. And so, you know, but he's like, I'm Baltimore and he's staying here. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's just like bought a house. So his roots are here, but his career is going to be international. where it is already international. And so I think having people like him and then again, Joyce Scott international, but she, you know, stayed in Baltimore like that helps give Baltimore some credit. Is that like people who made it big, who are recognized outside of the city are staying here and being like this place still has value and community to me. And I think that that's going to be a really big deal.
0: That's tight. So this is the the last question I have for you. And um, and I'll give you an opportunity to shamelessly plug anything that you got uh, (laughs) coming up um, after this question. But see, I I like to ask because I've been getting burned recently because I've been asking about chicken boxes. I've been asking about crab cakes and people find those to be political for some reason. But uh, (laughs) what would you say your most unusual talent is? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> I like to, to throw a curveball out there at the end and <laughs> people don't know what to do with it. Usually it's food related, but this time it's going to be unusual talent.
1: Yeah. I was not sure what to respond to this question. So I texted my best friend of like 30 years and she was, she was in so many words, like you don't have one. <laughs> 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 but then wow. then I, uh, I asked my husband and he responded um, that I am really good at straight faced sass.
0: That's fair. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. So I think, I think I'm going to go with that. I can be a straight faced sasser. I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay. I like that. So, so, so uh, uh, your, your shameless plugs, uh, your social media, any of that stuff that you want to quickly shout out. And again, thank you for coming on to this podcast.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Aaron Fostel. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I think Aaron Fostel visual artists, if you plug me in there, it'll pop up. I am in a show at the Grimaldis gallery right now. It's a landscape show, which I'm really excited to be in. I think it has an opening on April 3rd. Um, and I have an upcoming show this July, uh, where I'm working with Terry Henderson Uh, to make a a body of work to go in the shed space, which is run by Bonnie Crawford. So I got some stuff coming up and stuff, stuff happening now.
0: So definitely follow the social media to stay up to date. And the website is...
1: Uh, AaronFostel.com.
0: yeah thank you (laughs) so thank you for coming on to the podcast again and um, I'll do my sign off so for Aaron Fostel, not fossil not fossil not (laughs) you know is and the straight face ass I want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast (laughs) and there's art in and around Baltimore you just got to look for it